welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm really excited that Ari Hoffman, success fanatic, and that's his official title for MindTouch, uh, has joined us today. In some of our recent episodes, we've focused on helping customers achieve business outcomes that are tied to things like KPIs and goals. And as we were preparing for this episode, Ari really wanted to talk about how to balance that out, balance that focus on goals and outcomes with helping customers work with products and understand features in the day-to-day. So Ari, I'm really interested in your perspective on this and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kristen. So you are a very vocal, very passionate supporter of customer success, and I want to find out how you got into this field. So how? tell us how one becomes a success fanatic. I want to start with, you think I'm vocal? No. <laughs> I know. It's a huge surprise to everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I, I think I was in customer success before I knew what it was called. Um Back when I, I used to run my own company, um, I was partners on a filtered water bottle company called Gobi. And when I came into the situation, the company was bankrupt. There was no money, but we had this incredible product. And so I went with, at first, what we thought the customer value proposition was and didn't get a lot of resonance. And I also knew I had no marketing budget. And so I really just started talking to customers and understanding what they loved about the product and how they used it and how where else they could use it and connecting with other customers. And it started kind of creating this organic fan base that really started helping share our stories. And it, I mean, they grew, the fans pushed us so much that we got to a point where Shark Tank reached out to us. We got onto Shark Tank, cool. on the FedEx national grant competition for small businesses. And it wasn't because of us. It was because of the, the community base that we grew. And that community base was all about understanding them and hearing them and being able to talk about what they were doing. And so I really fell in love with who the customer is. Plus, telling other people's stories is always easier because then you don't feel like a jerk for talking about yourself and like I'm doing right now. <laughs> and, and and I really love the emotional side of things of connecting with people. And yeah. so that kind of led into getting recruited into the technical world and doing what I did there here, but that evolved. And when I learned about customer success, I literally fell in head over heels 
everything about it, even the community, customer success managers. Is it when you're even looking at competitive products, you have people who are competing against you. They still collaborate together, and it's about how do you rise, raise that tide for everybody, right? Yeah. And and I love that. So that's kind of how I got here. And and the success fanatic title is because <clears throat> it doesn't really mean anything, so nobody knows what I do. And it also means everything because I really am a fan of people's success. I'm a fan of, and it's not just the customers, it's how, or how they're using your product. If they're successful at your product, it's how are they just successful in general, in their lives and their careers. That's really cool. Um, tell us a little bit more about MindTouch. So what is the mission of the company? You guys are involved in the customer success space. Um, and tell us a little bit about how the customer success team is set up at MindTouch and how you fit into that and how your role fits into that. Yeah, absolutely. So MindTouch, we do fit into the customer success world, though we are not a customer success platform. Mm -hmm. uh, we, for a long time, would get put in a lot of the quadrants with GameSide and Strike Deck and everyone. And uh, uh, that's not what we do. In fact, some of those are our customers. Um, we are really a knowledge management software. And what we do is we create a self-service documentation portal for your support agents and then externally for your customers so that they can self-serve. And really what's baked into it and why we get so much overlap into customer success is this is how you scale customer success. You know that you can't have a one-to-one -one with everybody all the time. And plus, it's not the best thing for them. What you really want is people to self-educate because just like your parents doing your homework for you, you never really stick with it. <laughs> and whereas when you're forced to kind of do it, even if they help guide you there and hold your hand, then you start to get that confidence and go back. And, right. and so what we do is we provide the authoring capabilities and then the self-service the self -service mechanisms mm -hmm. with all of the reporting baked in on the back end so you can understand what they're looking at, where they're going, what those knowledge journeys are like. So you understand really what's important to your customers, not just what you might survey them on or get you know through the, the filtered phone call line, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So tell us a little bit about your customer success team there and how do you how does the success fanatic of the team fit into the rest of the group? Okay, I got a great analogy. I don't know if it will resonate <laughs> with all of your listeners because I know not everybody is a sports fan, but it's a lot you, you at least understand a lot of people understand how a team dynamic works. So uh -huh. at Mind Touch, we function a lot like a sports team. So when you have a, a coach uh, for a team, whether it's soccer or basketball, the coach doesn't care how much money the seats in the stands cost, right? They don't care what the concession stands are doing. They don't care about the sponsors. The coach cares, are my players doing a good job and are we winning games? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like our customer success managers here. They are in it. They are there hand on hand. They're the point of contact. They're there to absolutely take care of the players and those players are our customers. Now, you also have a general manager for a sports team. They really care about the sponsorships <laughs> and the seats yes, getting do. filled, right? Yeah. Butts in the seats. So they look at what it's costing to support the players, what they need to make, what they have to do. And so they're much more like our account managers. So they oversee our account managers here, right? Our account system here oversees like the umbrella and they deal with the, the monetary side of things. Okay. And the reason for that is if you have a coach that's out there, and how they're telling you how to get better is just how to use what the coach is selling you, right? So if I'm supposed to be a trusted advisor and all the advice that I'm giving you is really how to buy more of my product, you're going to have a gap there, right? Mm 
<clears throat> and so that way it allows for there to be much more of a, a, a trusted connection between our customers. Mm-hmm. And then you get all the way down to even our support agents. And we look at our support agents kind of like you would a, a field medic or even um, athletic trainer on the team, right? They're there, you get an injury, but they're not just going to give you injury. They're also more and more so today getting into best practice. Like, hey, you know, I want your knees to last a lifetime. So these are some things that you should do to make sure that your knees are going to last longer, yeah. right? And then where I fall in is kind of like the sports agent is what I feel like. I, I, I'm like the, um, you you have Kobe Bryant, who's a basketball player. You have Messi, who's a soccer player. They all have agents. And although Kobe Bryant used to get paid by the Lakers, right, and pay his sports agent, the agent works for the Lakers. They actually sign his check. They have a contract with the agent. The agent gets paid through Kobe, who gets paid through the Lakers. So even though the Lakers are technically who that agent works for, who they look out for is the customer, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. So I walk that line of getting in trouble often <laughs> internally <laughs> because I'm really fighting for the customer. And, and the reason for that is even CSMs, they have to stay at some point on that professional and, and that business objective side, right? Uh-huh. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And so I'm kind of that emotional counterbalance to what they're doing, right? Because you have to have that therapist that the uh, athlete can go talk about how stressful it is going through all of this with. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I, I love it when we're able to really represent different opinions on the podcast. And when you and I were talking about this episode, you expressed frustration that in customer success recently, and I, even on this podcast, we um, have been talking a lot about customer KPIs and focusing on how customers achieve their business outcomes and things like that. And you were saying you feel like the pendulum has swung too far in that direction. Um, how do you see this showing up in companies? And why do you think that finding the balance between the focus on KPIs and outcomes and the focus on, you know, product and, and customer um, achievement in the product itself, why is that balance so critical? Yeah. And, and I think to be clear, I don't think that we uh, have gone too far. I think that is part of the evolution of customer success. Okay. So if you think about playing darts or beer pong. I guess that gives you a little insight to my college. (laughs) Uh, when, When you, when you shoot too far to the left, you overshoot to the right. And when you shoot too far, you know, when you overshoot, you undershoot to find the center where that cup is going to be. And so that's where we're at. We're at the point where we're, we've figured out how we were undershooting. So now we're way overshooting. You know, I got, um, certified as a CSM through success hacker and it was great. But a majority of the, the conversations were, how do you stay out of the weeds? How do you get customers to focus on the KPIs and their business objectives so they're not getting feature effed on things and sticking out and, and complaining about every little nitpicky thing? And they're really looking at that bigger end, which is completely valid and makes complete sense, right? It does. But also what happens when you're doing that is you have to remember there is someone who is in the weeds on the other end of that line. <laughs> Yeah, And they do work there every day. And so what you're doing there is you're marginalizing their work at some point. And no matter how careful or crafted you are, right, you're going to start to marginalize them in ways that even if it's subconsciously, right, you create that cognitive dissonance, right, where they start to create mental barriers between connecting with you and trusting you and really relying on you. And so what I think now we have to do is how do we find that middle ground? So that just like when you have a friendship, you're going to go through hard times, 
But how do you, when you go through those hard times, how do you know that you're going to stay with somebody? We always measure, you know, what, what is a leading indicator that's going to tell me someone's going to churn, right? Well, how about learning how much is it going to take for them to leave us? Like, how much can we abuse them for us to leave us? Where is that line? <laughs> yeah, so. that's an interesting take on it, actually. I think, you know, it's, I see, I see kind of two parallel tracks. I think when you're focusing on KPIs, I think you're generally focused on those economic buyers or executives. Uh, depends on the comp- the company and the customer. Um, the KPIs aren't always the focus of the key users or the product champions. And frankly, they're not always even visible to those people. They don't know what the goals are of the company all the time. Um, why do you think it's important to make sure the champions or users see value in the solution, even when they aren't the ones signing the check at the end of the subscription period? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and so that's a, a great question because when you think about we at MindTouch, uh, and I think a lot of people do this, you break it down really into those three kind of different stakeholders, right? You have your business decision maker at the top. We call them the check signers, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have your influencer, your ch- champions. They're kind of the managers, director level that are really owning this. They're the ones who put it all together before they put you in front of the, the decision maker and their name is attached to it, right? And then you have your gatekeepers, which are those practitioners. They're in the every single day. They're in the weeds. And understanding how they all relate, because every company is different. Every, every structure is different. We have two customers, you know, Samsung and Hitachi. Mm-hmm. And when you look at them from the outside, similar products that they serve, there's yeah. a lot of overlap. Internally, you could not have two different companies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have one that is agile and quick and fast, and the other one that has meetings for meetings, right? And we'll have 60 people on the meeting for the potential meeting they're going to have. And it's, it's just a completely different structure. And, and understanding how they are structured comes through by asking those questions and understanding the gatekeepers, right? And so what happens because we get so focused on who signs the checks that we talk that language so often, we lose the ability to resonate with the gatekeepers. And guess what? Who, who are the people who turn over more? It's the gatekeepers, right? They're the ones who are going to spread your message. If they love your company and understand your value, who's taking you to their next job and going, wait, you're using that? We should be using this. I was just using it. They're going to tell it to their boss so they, they can sound good. Their uh-huh. boss is going to want to show these better KPIs upstream, right? So their boss is going to again want to pitch it in because it's going to cut their costs. It's going to make more money for them. It's going to do X, Y, or Z. And then the, the business decision maker at the top is going to go, wow, they've really got their head on. So what you're doing is you're kind of creating that ecosystem, right, mm-hmm. by paying attention to those gatekeepers because that really – those are the people who are eating it every day. You don't want to change your focus. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is broaden your focus, right? Yeah. And you can tell the same story with different messaging. Exactly. I I think that's exactly what it is because I think you do need to be having the KPI conversation with the senior leaders um, because they need to they need to see that they're achieving those bigger business outcomes with your solution. However, you also need to be having a different and also very important conversation with stakeholders and gatekeepers and the people who are actually in your solution because they need to see the value. Um, that it's bringing to them in their jobs at a more tactical, practical level. And if you don't have both of those things, you're going to get into trouble. And yeah, I mean, so 
I love that you you bring up the idea of broadening your scope. Yeah, and 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 you know the same way that I think a gatekeeper, a practitioner needs to actually understand KPIs is the same way that their own business decision makers need to understand the tactical. And I'm not saying in equal parts, but just like if I'm dealing with a practitioner and I'm going through and I'm trying to get onto their level and I'm showing that I know what I'm talking about with the product, I have subject matter expertise here, right? And to get them onto my side, I'm understanding what they're going through, their pains. And I'm not saying I'm fixing them, but I'm understanding them. I'm empathizing with them. That allows me then to talk about those KPIs so that they can understand, hey, this is how you're going to get a promotion. Hey, this is how when you leave this company, you're going to be even more valuable, right? And I can start talking about those KPIs because now I'm trusted. And the same thing when I'm talking to a business decision maker, right? And they're way up the food chain. Sometimes they don't even know who their gatekeepers are. Mm -hmm. And so being able to share some of those challenges with them and say, hey, look, I have talked to Cindy, Blake, and Tam, (laughs) right? And these are the things that they're struggling with. And this is why they're struggling with it. Well, guess what you're doing? You're now allowing them to get put back in the driver's seat of going, hey, there's something here that is at this high level that I can actually fix, Mm -hmm. right? Where I'm not in the weeds, but I'm fixing a process that's going downstream. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that all of that, you know, we have to look at it much more holistically. We have to look at it like we do with our relationships with all of our friends, Right? How do you treat a friendship? You don't, you don't go into a friendship or let's say my significant other. When I started dating Micah, I didn't start dating her and make her only hang out with my friends. Right. <laughs> right. We had to hang out with each other's friends and we yeah. had to understand so that we could create this awesome life together. And all of the companies, you look at the very big companies, what are they all trying to do? They're trying to humanize themselves and come back down to the scale where people can feel like they can connect with them. Mm-hmm. And then you have mid-sized companies, which so badly want to be big companies that they act like big companies. And then they lose that steam they had that got them to where they were. Yeah. And so it, it really is about, especially in this day and age where we are so separated from each other, where we are so digitally connected and yet so physically separated, it is so important to have a holistic approach to how you handle people. Yeah. And we handle people like people, not like a check. Yeah, I love that. Um, so let's go into some practical ideas for the audience. How do you go about engaging those key users or those champions or those gatekeepers? What are they most interested in and how do they see the value of your solution? Yeah, and and you know, I can use MindTouch as an example here. That'd be great. Because I I know our customers really well. And actually I've got to learn a lot of other people's customers through this process as well. Yeah. But it, it starts with how do you make a friend? You start with value and you start with trust and you have to start with understanding. So what do you do when you meet someone new is you're going to go through those questions and you're not just going to ask them about how they're using your product, how their friend, how your friendship means to them. You're going to ask them like, how did they get there? Mm -hmm. Right. Who are they? What what do they envision for themselves in a year or two years? You know, what do they want to do? What excites them? What do they hate? Right. What does that daily grind like grind look like? And that literally works at every level. That's not just your gatekeepers. You can yeah. do that all the way up. We're all people. One of the, the reasons that mind touch kind of at first put me out to be kind of an evangelist is because I resonate with all of the different uh, verticals, but that's just because I don't treat people differently. I talk to everybody the same way. When I meet Catherine Blackmore, who is literally one of my idols, I love that woman. <laughs> she's so amazing what she's done, but I don't talk to her differently 
then I talk to Renee or anybody. Uh-huh. That I, everybody is the same. And so I think that, you know, one of the ways that you gain trust is really not looking for po- points for, of leverage, not looking for points of here's how I can expand with you because you got to start somewhere. So build a strong foundation. Then when you want to expand, they get it and they're on board. They know that expanding with you is actually going to help them, not just because of your product or software is going to make their company uh, more money or do better, but because they personally are going to gain from it. Mm-hmm. You have to take them on that journey, right? You've got to start with step one is getting to know them. And, and I understand a lot of people who are listening to this might go, yeah, that might work on a one-to-one basis. No, you can scale this. This, is, this can be digital. This does not have to be all a one-to-one conversation. So we can get into that a little more later. Yeah, I love that. I, I think um, it's really interesting because getting to know people as people um, is so important. But what you say about everybody being the same really resonates too. I've seen a lot of CSMs get really hung up on the idea that they're talking to a person who's maybe you know three or four rungs ahead of them on the corporate ladder and they get really nervous about it. But and the bottom line is people are people and you can talk to them the same way and they have the same concerns and emotions and cares as everybody else. Um, and I wanted to ask about that because you mentioned emotions and identity issues, things like, you know, professional reputation and yeah. maybe job security could come yeah. into this. Um, and they play into the customer's view of your product. Can you share an example of when you've seen that happen and, and what happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I I have fallen victim to it myself, uh, especially in the early years when I ran onboarding. Is I um, because I came into technology so quickly. Uh-huh. I remember I went to LavaCon and it was this tech writing, technical communication and strategy conference, uh-huh. and I was like, I am so out of my element. Everyone here is so smart, and I know nothing about any of this. And one of the first things is I went to see because I was told, you know, uh, who some of our competitors are who who do we lose customers to or when we're going through the bidding process who who is taking some of those opportunities away and i remember there was sharepoint was there and it was a microsoft and i went in and i sat in to learn about sharepoint and how they do tagging and it was so outdated it was so old and it was so complicated and it had so many um things that it was like a dinosaur platform yeah. and i was like wait what you're doing all of that why would you do that? And you have people who are fighting for it, how awesome it is. And you're like, but it's not awesome. And it's making your life take everything take longer. And you're, you're a bottleneck now because everything has to wait to go through you to go. But as I grew, I understood as I empathized, I really got into the emotional side. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I do, I, I kind of feel like a therapist at a lot of times. I really believe in, in, especially for CSMs, you have to have some emotional IQ. And there are books on it. And if you don't read them, you need to, because having emotional IQ is absolutely imperative for this role to really yeah. be good, to really stand out. You meet, Kat, meet any one of the leaders in CS. Meet a Nick Meta, meet a Kat, you know, Catherine Blackmore, meet a Tiffany Bova, and watch the emotional IQ on these people. It is unbelievable. And, and what it, you know, what happened here, what I learned was first look at the Salesforce ecosystem. This is a perfect example. You have Salesforce putting a ton of money and investment into the trailblazers and their community, Mm -hmm. right? These are admin. These are not people buying Salesforce. 
These are people who might recommend Salesforce, but they are not buying. But all of this money is going into these admin and into this community. Why? Well, look at how Salesforce has constructed itself. You have people who have to get badges and become different admin levels and right. There are different types of trailblazers and their MVPs. So when a company buys Salesforce and it can be a very expensive platform, especially once you get all of your integrations going, they're the only one at their job who can do that. Someone can't just move over and take their job. They've created a fiefdom, right? And Salesforce has built this protective nature around them because they know that as they do this, well, guess what? They have to hire for this specific role. So these people are going to feel empowered. So they're going to champion it like crazy. Sports teams do not get the same kind of love and fandom that that Salesforce community has. It is crazy. They can send someone a stuffed animal and they will post it and they get 10,000 likes and everybody's like, oh my God, <laughs> I wanted that animal forever. And like, you have stadiums that have empty seats in them, right? But Salesforce is crushing it. And it's because yeah. they really took care of that fiefdom and that job security. And with MindTouch, what I learned was, look, these tech writers have been in this industry forever. Mm-hmm. They sit behind a cubicle. They are not in front of everyone. And a lot of them are introverted, right? I'm not yeah. saying everyone, but a lot of them. And they, they have a quota. They How many documents can they write in a day, right? And that's their quota. And that's their quota. Instead of thinking like, well, if I enhance the customer experience, I won't just be fulfilling and break fix. I can actually be doing best practice and we could be revenue generating because, you know, potential new customers want to look at the technical side of what we're doing, not just the marketing fluff, but they're introverted. They don't know how to talk about themselves and they don't know how to show off and they don't want to. They don't need that. And what I'm saying, not everybody needs a spotlight. They don't need to shout it from the mountaintops, but they do need to feel valued. And one thing that happens when you are so isolated like that and you're dealing with some of these practitioners is they feel like low-hanging fruit. And so they have a fear of their job. That job yeah. security is always dangling in front of them. So, of course, they're going to want to use the complicated pro- system that nobody else knows how to use. Of course, they want to be the bottleneck. Of course, they're going to – you know, you call it knowledge hoarding because they're going to be the go-to person. Right. That's the only way that they have any interaction with anyone is they're the only one who knows this. So everybody has got to go to, but that slows the whole system down. So if I just come in and say, Hey, you know, there's a much faster, much easier way. We got to start looking about how do you express, you know, instantly, whether they are thinking it or not, they're going to start to block you. Right. They're going to start to go, but I don't want that. I have people who still fight for these old technical writing ways and you can hear it. They'll tell you. Exactly. I mean, they will spell it out for you that it's literally comes down to, but this is what I do. Yeah. So if you can empathize with that, if you can get to that emotional level, now what you can do is you start to help them with that. But you start to, it's like um, when you're fishing and you catch a really big fish, you don't just pull on the line, right? You're going to let them take out line forever because if you just pull, you're going to snap the line. So what you try and do is you wait till they kind of tire a little bit and then you edge the head either to the left or the right. And you, you use their own energy to turn them around and start swimming back at you. And that's when you start to reel it in. Okay, That's yeah. deep sea fishing, right? That's the same thing you do with your customers. Edge them around until they're coming back at you. Then you reel them in. Then you start hitting with, here's how we're going to get you a raise. Here's how we're going to make you more valuable. Here's how you're going to add so much value using our service. Right. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. 
Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables, like business models and annual plans, that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information. I also want to mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. Quick reports can be easily developed through the Analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the Task Manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple-to-use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now, back to our interview. So Ari, when you and I first discussed this episode, you mentioned that customer personas play an important part in making sure that customer success team members and clients are aligned. Can you share how you use personas at MindTouch? Yeah, absolutely. So we we try and map out and understand the different personas at the different levels. We talked about it earlier, right? Mm -hmm. But remember that we're also human. So every persona has variations. We can't say all tech writers are like this. Sure. <laughs> all, all managers are like this. All directors are like this. There's such a wide gap between the different minds. And you have some people that are very happy where they're at. And you have some people that are very hungry to grow. Yeah. Right. And understanding where they're at. So what we do is, I mean, a lot of people do this, but we use our success plans, not just as a way to understand our individual customers, but to aggregate our personas and understand a larger persona base that we're dealing with. And we go back to those success plans, not just for product roadmap and not just for, you know, what the concerns are, but what the different tiered structures and personas are like at different companies, right? And that actually starts to help us. Now you can start to generalize different companies. Even if they're competitive companies, they're similar companies, you can start to generalize what those structures are made up like. Mm -hmm. And that allows the customers, because there's nothing worse than when you have a champion at a company and like, they love your product. You love them. You guys talk once a day. They're texting you. They're on your Facebook. They're your best friend. And they leave the company. Yeah. They get fired. And you are stuck with your pockets sticking out of your pants, right? And you have got nothing because they were, you were so strong with them. You didn't really extend. And it's extremely important that you are extended into that company at every level. Yeah. You have to know who those BDMs are. You have to, and you have to be checking in with them. And what we generally do when we check in with them is we don't even require often that they follow up with us. What we will do is give them updates on how their teams are doing. Mm -hmm. And we show off what a kick-ass job they're doing underneath mm -hmm. just to keep them to keep it relevant, to keep them understood. And then we make sure that as stakeholders change, those success plans are constantly updated, right? That way you're never caught with your pants up because what you will have is someone else who comes in and takes their job 
And now what is the first thing they want to do? They want to bring over that software they're used to using. Yeah. They want to bring over that service that they're used to using. And you're now on the chopping block. Right. But if you have that success plan that's documented, all of the different personas and what they were looking to get out of it and how that your product or service is solving for that, right? Well, now you can go, okay, that's great. It's nice to meet you. I totally understand this is where you're coming from. Let's take a look at what you're trying to solve and why you like this company. And let's let's see exactly how they're going to solve for these issues. And now, even if they remain a blocker for you, you can go up chain and go, hey, I was talking with Cynthia and, and she seems amazing. And I know she really wants to go with this software, but I would recommend talking to Cynthia about, hey, does it solve for X, Y, and Z? How does it approach this? How is it handling these bigger business objectives, which I know are extremely important to you for Q4 in 2019 and how you're going to get there? So how is it going to solve for that? And now what you're able to do because you've extended at every level is you're never really fully caught with your pants down, right? Yeah. Never fully exposed because you've done enough of your job to extend into the different levels. Yeah, I love that. Um, we really recommend um, account plans for all customers. I think it gets a little challenging, and I think this ties in really in an interesting way with personas. When you have, though, a customer success team that is more of a, a low-touch or a one-to-many kind of team, and it seems like personas really play a bigger part almost in those kinds of teams because you have to generalize a little bit. To make yeah, it work. So absolutely. have you have you seen that work for some of your segments or your customers? Yeah. I mean, we definitely play over your high touch, low touch game. Uh-huh. We have to because we have enterprise companies, um, which we're predominantly focused on now just because that's mm-hmm. what our our software really serves the best. Yeah. But we also have, you know, low touch, low touch, high volume customers, mm-hmm. right? At the bottom. And and even our software alone, think about it like the way I always explain it to people, if you think about your self-service material that's out there, that someone could go find, you have your support agents who pick up the phone. Well, that support agent can only have, when they pick up that phone, a one-to-one relationship, right? Mm-hmm. They can only have that. But for every one of those calls, how many thousands of people do you have looking online for your information? Mm-hmm. So how you scale is through self-service. So think about if you're creating these personas, what is a great way to scale that, right? How do you look Look at what the different user types are looking through, what types of information they're searching for, mm-hmm. but not just that. So if I were to do, and I do this often, I, in fact, I got done to get onto this podcast. I was in three <laughs> back-to-back, one and a half hour long customer interviews. Oh, okay. And so with that one-to-one, I'm really getting into finding that common language with them, right? And And- you, you will notice when you talk to anyone who's really got a, a company that's running at full steam ahead, there's always fires being put out at every level, right? And they'll say, oh, you say, how's your day? Oh, it's crazy. I had to put out a couple of fires. It's like, it's like clockwork. Everybody says that to me. And I don't care if they're a practitioner or a business decision maker. And I'm like, oh, well, what fires are you putting out? And I, you know they're calling it a fire to you if it's not about your product, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they would be complaining to you about your product. But they're talking about other things. So their internal, you know, problems that they're having, management problems, whatever they are, ask them about it. Mm-hmm. It's the first way to get them to open up. But those are the same things. So I'll go through this process and it's called the customer history, I call mm-hmm. it, to find out more about them. But I go back in time. I take the Wayback Machine and say, hey, what'd you do in college? What, what, what were those majors? 
And how did those majors steer you into where you are now? And how do you think that this is going to improve upon the next two to three years? What are you following? What are you doing? What are you, what, what groups are you engaged with? Like, this is how you learn about someone, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, uh, um, dating someone in person. Well, guess what? If you can date someone in person, how does eHarmony exist? You kind of start <laughs> that process online, yeah. don't you? The problem that customer success managers have, they want to, they want to boil it all down so quickly that instead of, you know, taking the time and sending one or two questions out at a time, they're going to throw you an email that has 18 questions on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you answer emails the same way I do, but I go through my, my emails. I, I look at what's, you know, absolutely necessary that I got to do. If I get a long email, I'll start to skim it. If there's too much, I'm, I mark it to come back to later. Yes. But if it's something really simple, I'm going to nail it out. Right. And so you can automate this, right? So you can have a drip email campaign that's going out to your customers that's asking them, right, about their life. And you don't start with all of the questions. Give a question, two questions. Oh, you get a response, drip email second question comes out. And now you're going to start to create this feedback system. And now what you can start to do is you can scrub all of that content that you have across the board. It's now measurable, right? To understand right. who those customers are and what their language is like, because there's, you know, I thought it was brilliant. Someone talked about, I can't remember where I picked this up, but they said, we actually changed our marketing language by looking at trust radius and, and what's the other one? Um, G, G2, the, the review sites, right? Yeah. They actually go to those review sites. I should know. Oh, G crowd. Okay. G2 crowd. Oh, G2 That's, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. We're a customer of theirs. So I should know their name. <laughs> They're awesome. I love G2 crowd. Um, but we go to their review sites and we actually look at the language of how people are describing our products, their pain points and their points that they like about us. And we've changed about how we talk about ourselves to how they talk about us, mm -hmm. right? We're actually using their voice and it's what's going to resonate more with someone else in their position, right? You trying to create the nomenclature that you like that makes you sound fancy and cool or actually the real world talk about how someone's using your product. Yeah. So Ari, it seems like all of this customer information would be incredibly useful for your marketing department. How have you set up the feedback loop between marketing and customer success at MindTouch? And do you have any do this, don't do that type of recommendations for other customer success leaders? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is really a key topic for this whole conversation that we're having. Yeah. I think this is... I think this is the crux of my existence right here. So I'm kind of one foot. <laughs> this is foot, why there's a success fanatic? This is why. I, okay. I have one foot in marketing and one foot in success, right? And the way that I look at it is, and, and I think all companies should, we are always so focused on that net new sale. And, we, and everyone knows, oh, but there's so much room for expansion. Very true. So why aren't we marketing to that expansion opportunity? Why aren't we marketing to our own customers? And there is no better way to market to your own customers than with your own customers, right? Right. So the feedback loops that we create here are ideal with the account managers and the CSMs. In fact, they'll sit in in the room. They'll sit on the line as I go through a lot of these interviews and testimonials. And then what we do is we start to create campaigns where we champion these people at different levels, right? And I will champion someone. I will, I will do influencer cards. I will do you know all types of things, webinars. And then I share them upstream so that they get celebrated downstream. Mm -hmm. And 
you can now, because it's becoming a marketing tool, right? You can run all of the measurements to see how effective these things are, right? And you can look at what are the companies doing? How likely are they to renew using all of your other software, right? From the account-based side, but now you can say, well, with the ones we've championed, let's just look at all of the ones we've championed and compare them to all the ones we haven't championed. Who do we have stronger relationships with? Okay. Who are expanding at a faster rate, right? Who are recommending and advocating for us and bringing us in new business, right? And so the way I look at, at that marketing loop is if you look at how to sell to your own customers, it will inherently sell to new customers, mm -hmm. okay? So if you become the voice of your customer, if you're telling their story, and this is what most B2B, if you're a B2B company listening to this, we all get this wrong. MindTouch did it forever. I learned this along the way. I fought for it. I almost got fired for this several times. But every story has an arc, right? And, and every good story, you look at the blockbusters like Star Wars, they have this arc. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in that, you have some hero or heroine that's forced out onto a journey. They have to cross chasms, jump hurdles, near-death experiences. And at the end, they succeed, right? They win. But they don't just win. They're, they're somehow transformed, right? They have yep. some new epiphany. And what we do as B2B marketers is we put ourselves, our company, as the hero in that story. If you buy MindTouch, we are going to revolutionize your customer experience. You are going to have so many insights and data points on who your customers are and what they do. You're going to be able to analyze everything. You're going to know exactly what they want, when they want it, where they need it. And you're going to be able to predict what they're going to need in the future. You're going to have so much valuable insights on your customer journey. And they're going to be such great users of your product. You're not even going to need a support team anymore. You can get rid of them because everybody's going to self-serve. It's going to be bliss. <laughs> Right. That's how you market. And even when you use a customer use case, you put that use case in and then you, you chisel off all the sides. You, you literally manicure that story so much. So it sounds like the messaging you want so much to the point where you've literally just put yourself back into the story and it's really about them. And so when you can understand, like, I, I love this example. It's not mine. I wish it was because it's so perfect and awesome. Um, if you think about the original Star Wars, you have. Luke Skywalker is pushed out into his journey. He's got to become a Jedi. He doesn't know if he wants to. Or not. He's got to beat the dark forces. And in the end, he finally wins. But he doesn't just win. He's transformed. He knows what it is to live in the way of the Jedi, right? Yeah. And when we tell that story, we tell it like we're Luke. The reality is your customer is Luke. Your customer is the one who's putting their neck out. They're the ones who are having to show measurable results yep. from using your product. They're the ones who are trying to change the game for their customers. They're the ones who are out there every day exposed and having to transform something. What you really are is you're like Yoda sitting on their shoulders. You're a guide to get them there. And when you understand that they probably have like five or six Yodas on their shoulders, now you can understand the perspective that that person goes through. Yep. Now when you tell their story, someone else can resonate with it because – why do we love these? Why are these movies blockbusters? Because you put yourself in that person's shoes and go, oh, I could be a Jedi master. Oh, I could be Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles, right? You start to resonate. That lizard part of your brain yeah. starts to envision yourself at that level. But you can't do it if it's a company on the other side. You can do it if it's someone that is doing exactly what you're doing, but they're a couple steps ahead of you. Yeah. And you're going, oh my God, I could do that. Oh my God, they went through it. It resonates so much further. Yeah. So much different. And, and Kristen, you know this. Everyone listening to this knows this. How much noise do we have in our world right now? Right. My phone 
during this podcast has beeped five times with text messages from numbers that I don't have in my phone and I'm getting <laughs> advertised to on my cell phone, right? Yep. I get calls from people from my same area code or zip code, no area code. It's hit on, we don't even see when, when you go online, you don't even see the marketing banners at the top. Those, yeah. those banner ads, they're gone. We, they're there, but we physically don't see them. We've tuned them out. We have so much noise that even customer success managers can't get a hold of their customers. You could, um, I was talking to Bill at Red Hat and they literally will have a switch. They know something is broken for one of their customers and it could be for a group of them. And they could say, all you have to do, they send the email, say, Hey, this is going to be a major problem coming up in two weeks. All you have to do is toggle the switch and it'll solve everything. <laughs> and they can't get them to toggle the switch. Yeah. It's in their own best interest. And it's because they're so busy. We are all yeah. so busy, right? If we're not working, we're looking down at our phone and checking our Facebook feed. And you've just got to understand that's our reality we're in today. We can fight it and say, we've got to get back to the basics, but that's where we are now. And so because that's where we're now, the way that Facebook grabs everyone, YouTube grabs them, there's stories everywhere. And so by being able to tell that story, you have so much more power on your side. And guess what? You all win together. There's no angle here. It's not manipulation. What you're doing is you're literally all winning together. Right. And that's, it is so much more meaningful and valuable. When you wake up in the morning, you want to go to work. I look at Mondays and I'm like, it's Monday. I have a whole week to I get, get to stuff go done. help people. Yay. It's like, it's like my favorite <laughs> thing. Now, I'm in a little bit of a, a special position because I had, and trust me, it wasn't easy to get here. I really did almost get fired a lot of times. But, <laughs> I make friends for a living. Yeah. That's what I do. You have a cool job. And real friends. I, I, like my customers are real friends. These are people that like, I'm going to go fly to New Zealand with my family and one of our customers is going to have her family. And we're all going to do a trip down the coast of New Zealand because I've never been there. These are like real people. And it's so much more enjoyable in life when you know that you're building real value and connections, right? Yeah. So. I love that. I know we've been talking about the user and the champion side of the customer relationship in this episode, but I know that you know how important it is for the customer to see business outcomes as well. And as a way to kind of wrap this topic up, if you could give one piece of advice to a customer success leader who's maybe listening to this podcast about how to find that balance between these two things, what would that advice be? Go back to the basics. So how do you find you know, that same thing that we talked about earlier, right? How do you find balance with uh, a new friend that you're making, right? You have to dive into their world and then jump back out of their world. And you drive, you jump into their world and you jump back out. And you have to show them that you're willing to do that so that when you want to go from the weeds to the stratosphere, right, that they're going to follow you and they're going to take that hot air balloon ride with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to, one of the big things that I'll push, the one thing for CS leaders who are listening to this, stop trying to be so professional. <laughs> stop trying to be so professional. Yeah. That, that is exactly how you lose people, right? Your own ego is not a part of this. You don't have to show off how cool you are and how much you know. Be transparent, be authentic, deliver value. You know, I think we talked about this earlier. Meta communicate. Talk about what you're going to talk about. It's called psychological priming, right? Yeah. And it's different than manipulation. It's allowing people to understand and unblock themselves. Hey, I, I purposely tell people that I make friends for a living because guess what? They're going to think of me as a friendly person. Right. 
which I am, but I'm, I'm steering them in that way. So now they're, everything I say is like, oh yeah, this is a friendly guy. He's not out to get me, right? But I'm, I'm priming them. That meta communication is extremely important. So, you know, knock off your professional hat and just be real. Yeah. I think because that's great can, advice. I, you know, you can be real and drive outcomes. Yeah, you can. And I think the other thing, and you brought this up earlier, and I want to just mention it again because I think it's a fantastic piece of advice, is, you know, these are just people. Even if they're VPs or execs and you're a CSM and you've never, you know, been in that role before, they're just people and they have the same concerns that everybody else has. They are trying to, you know, make money for their family and put kids through school and, you know, all of the stuff that we all do in our our lives. And so, you know, if you can learn to ask good questions and just explore the lives of the people that you're talking to, that's a great way to go into those conversations and not feel like you're having to put on a show or carry the entire conversation. Just ask great questions and listen to the answers. Be comfortable with dead space. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and it's also okay to be nervous, but understand that it's just normal. You're just being nervous and don't change what you're going to do because you feel nervous. I almost did it today and I do this a lot. So to, the fact that I almost did it today shows that like we're all human. We all do mm -hmm. this. I was getting on with a big VP Mm -hmm. And he was kind of checking. We were on a, a video chat. Uh -huh. And as we signed on, he was kind of checking some email. And while he was checking, there was like this dead time. And then I started to think like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't tell him that story. And maybe, and I started doubting myself. And I started thinking <laughs> about like, what would he want to hear instead yeah. of just being authentically me? Now, I'm kind of goofy and I'm kind of, you know, crazy. You don't have to be goofy and crazy to get that done. Just be you. Be yeah. whoever you are. Just stick with it. And don't doubt yourself. You know, don't when you get nervous, that doesn't mean what you're about to do is wrong. Right. It just means that you care about what you're doing and just stick with it. Be calm and understand, or unless you're not a calm person, don't be calm, but understand that the nerves are like, that's like you telling yourself how awesome this is going to be. The nerves are like, you really, really care about what's about to happen. Not that you're going to blow it and you're going to, because then all you do is focus about how you're going to blow it. VPs are people, they go home, take, you know, potty breaks. Yeah. I had to stop myself right there. They do all the same things that you do. So don't change you to be them. Yeah. That's not going to ever work ever. Yeah. I love that advice. I want to wrap up with the question that we always ask at the end of the podcast. I know you're interested in all of the customer success trends, but if you had to pick the biggest trend in our field right now, what would it be and why? Hmm. The biggest trend to me, and I, and I, I, okay, so I would call this a early adopter trend. So this is not mainstream yet, but it really is that CSMs have to put their marketing caps on and CSMs are really blending into a hybrid marketing role because nobody has the customer voice like the CSM. Yeah. If you really are a trusted advisor, you are the customer's voice. You know what it is. You understand it, which means you have the most amount of power to tell that really powerful story, right? You have you have all of the cards on your side. So you kind of, just like when I talk to tech writers and you have to say, you've got to expand. And you, if you stay a tech writer, this is getting automated. You're going to lose your job soon. You got to learn how to manage the content experience, not just create documents. You really got to look at the content experience as a whole. Well, CSMs, that's the same thing, yeah. especially with high scale companies, right? When you're scaling, 
you've got when you have low touch, you've got to learn how to step above and beyond what your actual role is. Mm-hmm. And part of that, because we're going to automate a lot of this process, a lot of this is going to just happen. AI is coming, right? It's going to measure all of the data and it's going to tell customers where they're going off the charts. They're going to get their own signals and you won't be a part of that. So how do you keep your job is understanding how do you look at all of that data to tell better and bigger stories? How do you tell other customers Right. And connect those dots between different customers that are solving two different things and the challenges that they have and bringing them together. So that's the that's the big trend for me. Yeah, I like that. I think it's really becoming kind of a holistic customer experience team rather than separate sales and marketing and customer success and support teams. It's really kind of all coming together under the experience umbrella, which is exciting to see. It's going to be an interesting journey, I think over the next yeah, couple decades. It's, it's awesome and it's exciting. And you know, for the CSMs who get on this now, you're ahead of the game. Absolutely. So if, if you're doing this now, you're ahead of the game and you're going to be able to create and champion a lot more um, as these years, as this becomes standard and as that adoption takes place, you'll already be doing this and you're going to be the expert in the field. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Ari, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Thanks so much for adding some balance to our recent casts about KPIs. I think your perspective was very needed and important. If the users aren't happy, nobody's happy. So thank you for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me today. Was It was amazing. Um, if anybody wants to follow up and learn more about what we're doing or other things that we see, you know, you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's just Ari Hoffman. I work at MindTouch. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is at Ari Gobi, which is A-R-I-G-O-B-I-E. But I really am a LinkedIn lover. I'm on there all the time. I use it to really learn and extend and, and meet people. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Ari. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.